Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good to see you uh, tonight. Uh, so appreciate your giving. Uh, those on the platform, your ministry, we thank uh, God for you. Do want to reiterate uh, Sunday, the fast. Uh, prepare yourself. I uh, mentioned the other day or a couple weeks ago, I preached on fasting and the revelation. You, you, we fight by fasting. Uh, that we are in a spiritual battle. How many understand that? We're in a spiritual battle. We need spiritual weapons. Amen. Pastor Tozer mentioned, of course, uh, and many of you, most if not all of you, are aware uh, that Pastor Campbell, uh, our senior pastor, while traveling to uh, Sydney, uh, Australia, the Bible conference there, uh, he had a medical emergency. And so while he was awaiting, I just want to give you some uh, uh, people, there's been all kind of stuff floating around and some of it untrue, uh, some of it uh, half truth. And so uh, I figured we would get on the same page. And so while he was uh, getting his baggage or waiting for his baggage, apparently uh, his heart stopped, uh, he collapsed. Uh, uh, and there was a doctor uh, nearby who uh, administered CPR. That is amazing, yes, yes. And so after which uh, the paramedics, uh, they came and took him of course to the hospital. Uh, and this would have all been uh, our time about uh, Monday afternoon. And so from there at the hospital, tests were conducted of course. Um, along the way they uh, did an angiogram which is essentially an x-ray where they're going to see your blood vessels and see if there's any clots or whatnot. Uh, that would have been last night or overnight. Uh, and so uh, they did that. Out of that, they were able to assess uh, that he did have, he told me today, I spoke with Pastor Campbell today on his right side, uh, was very uh, much clogged up and there was a lot of stoppage there. And he said uh, they administered four stints. And so they put four stints in him. And so as it stands today, uh, again, I spoke with him about five hours ago. He's recovering in the hospital there in Australia. Uh, not only from the surgery, but uh, some of you have heard because of the CPR uh, that was administered, uh, the guy who did that, he broke two ribs and broke his sternum. Uh, that's actually not a bad thing because if you do CPR correctly, uh, most people are too afraid to apply any pressure, and so it doesn't work. Uh, but they did that, and he is recovering again, not just from uh, the surgery, but from those broken ribs, broken sternum. Uh, he will be there. Many have asked, uh, how long is he going to be there? We don't know the exact answer to that. Obviously, primarily, our number one concern is Pastor Campbell's health. And so as long as it takes for him to get healthy enough to travel uh, back here, and so that's how long it'll be. All of that, you know, that being said, I guess you could say that is the bad news. The incredibly good news is Pastor Campbell is going to live. <laughs> that incredibly good news that there was a doctor uh, right there uh, nearby. I, I thought of this. If you know Pastor Campbell, he's not very fond of going to doctors. So God said, I guess I have to bring the doctor to you. 
Uh, and so another great thing is that uh, Ryan Birch, uh, he's a missionary, you know, him and his family, April, their children are missionaries in India. He was already headed to the conference uh, there. And so he is there uh, with Pastor Campbell by his bedside. He actually just I spoke with him this afternoon. He moved his hotel, which is about an hour away from where the conference. Now he is right there where Pastor Campbell is at. And so another good thing is wouldn't it just be the whole, uh, excuse me, the hospital there? Uh, even before they were sending him there, the evangelist who was supposed to pick Pastor Campbell up, Rod Gibson, he, he told me, and then uh, Pastor Rob Walsh, who is the leader there in Sydney, they both conferred way before he got there. They said, Tori, he could not be going to a better hospital. It is a world-class hospital, specifically when it comes to treating heart conditions. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, again, pray for him. Pastor Tozer will be going there uh, shortly to be with him when Ryan has to leave. Uh, but another good thing out of this is our pastor is finally able to get some rest. <laughs> Glory to God. He told me, he said, listen, and, and you just, I mean, I can hear the faith in me. He told me uh, there are no accidents with God. And so I want to, on behalf of Sister Connie, uh, J. Rail. Brad, the family, the church staff, the church council, I want to express a heartfelt appreciation, a thank you, a gratitude. I know most of you who have heard, you have been praying, uh, asking questions nonstop. One of the reasons that we uh, did not disseminate the information, you have to understand, Australia is 17 hours ahead of us. And so you guys were getting information from people in Australia, many times they were getting information, passing along. Some of us were still asleep. Okay, and so, um, having said that, here's the takeaway: God is not done with Pastor Campbell. <laughs> Can you say God has more work for him? We need him. Can you say Amen? We need our pastor. Can you say Amen? And so we look forward to him healing up and returning uh, back uh, with us. And as Pastor Tozer mentioned, ultimately. God is in control. Hallelujah. With that being said, I want to minister out of Exodus chapter 17 tonight. And I want to, uh, it didn't start off this way, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I, did, I did start to think, what could I preach that has some relevancy to where we are and what's, you know, happening here, the elephant in the room, so to speak. But as I began to put this sermon together, I actually... Uh, begin to just think about Pastor Campbell a lot. And I want to dedicate this sermon uh, to Pastor Campbell. Um, I want to minister a message I've entitled, Lifting Up Our Leaders. And I put an S there, even though I could have kept the S off, to be honest with you. But Exodus chapter 17, let's begin at verse 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron, went, excuse me, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down. So Joshua defeated 
Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. God, we come tonight to, by the Holy Ghost. We thank you, God, for your people, for the prayers of your people. God, we thank you for your covering, God, covering our pastor, God, keeping him, your divine providence, uh, the hand of God, which has been on his life. We thank you for your continued faithfulness. We pray for him. We ask you to bring him home quickly, but more importantly, safely, God. We thank you for all you're doing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Lifting up our pastor. Let's consider firstly tonight the importance of good leadership. The backdrop of our text tonight is that Moses has been leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. This, of course, is the great exodus. They have come out of sin. They have come out of the wilderness. And here when we get to our text, the children of Israel are faced with a very serious threat. Verse 1 says that the Amalekites came out to fight against the children of Israel. Listen, church, I've been doing a, a theme for weeks now, but again, mark it down, you will not advance very far with God without facing the enemy. You have an adversary. We have an adversary. And as you and I attempt to advance the kingdom of God, along the way, the enemy will confront us. The good thing for you and I tonight is that we don't have to face the enemy alone because God provides leaders. In our text, it says that the Amalekites came out to fight with Israel. And then the very next statement is, and Moses said. So picture the scene here. The Bible says that the enemy is coming out against the Israelites. And yet here is Moses stepping to the forefront. If you understand what's happening here, Moses was God's chosen leader. I tell you something, church, tonight, when it comes to spiritual warfare, it simply cannot be overstated just how important good leaders are. In fact, one of the things that you begin to pick up very early in the word of God is the constant reference to leadership. Right from the garden, God created Adam, and he created Adam with the idea of leadership in mind. God created Adam to be a leader. In other words, tonight, God told him things. God shared information with him, but that information was not just information or to guide Adam alone. God's plan for Adam was that he would disseminate and communicate that information to his wife. Scripture would have us believe tonight that God did not give Eve the same direction. He did not give Eve the same insight that he gave Adam. And I believe that is precisely because because he wanted Adam to give the information to Eve, or in this case, he wanted Adam to lead her. We understand that this is why after Adam and Eve sinned, even though one could argue that Eve was actually the catalyst of this, yet still, when God began to dole out responsibility, how many know God addressed Adam? Why? Because Adam was at least supposed to be the leader, 
Listen, leadership is a foundational principle to all of God's creation. In fact, as we move through the word of God, you begin to see the common thread of leadership as God raised up judges and kings and then prophets. And eventually, as we move to the New Testament, God raised up disciples and apostles from their overseers, shepherds and pastors. And so the question has to be asked tonight, why does God give us leaders? Here's the simple answer, because we were built to be led. Listen, you and I were built to be led. This is why Jesus, when he wanted to announce his ministry, he did not say, come and look for me. He did not simply say, you know, let us sit down and have a discussion. Nor did he say, you know, read about me. You know what he said very clearly. Two words, he said, follow me. Matthew four nineteen. then he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Another time he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. In other words, Jesus announced his ministry by referencing leadership. No, whether you want to embrace it or not tonight, you and I simply do not do well without leadership. In our text, again, the backdrop and the background is that Moses has been leading the children of Israel. He has led them out of Egypt. He has led them through the wilderness. He has led them across the Red Sea. He has led them through their frustrations, through their bitterness. He has led them through their fears and their doubts. And so the point is here tonight, whenever they were faced with a challenge, whether collectively or individually, the key to their deliverance was that they had a leader. You know, I thank God that Pastor Campbell has not just preached to us, but he has pastored us. Which is to say that he has led us. Like Moses. Listen, God, so many here tonight, God has used Pastor Campbell to help lead most of us out of Egypt. Can you say amen? He has used Pastor Campbell to help navigate us uh, through the wilderness places uh, and the wilderness seasons of our lives. Uh, Pastor Campbell has helped us cross uh, our own Red Seas, uh, helped us overcome our fears. uh, And many times, listen, it has been his faith uh, that has helped overcome our doubts. That's what spiritual leadership is all about. Can you say amen? I know me personally. What I was missing in my life, I didn't know it then, but it was spiritual leadership. We just came, Pastor Tozer and I, some of the other leaders out of the Chandler uh, wing of our fellowship, we just came, ironically, from doing a leadership uh, meetings over there. And we spent a couple days there. And you know, Pastor Campbell, he did the last seminar, actually the last two, and he's pouring out his, his heart to pastors. And you know, he started talking about the culture of the church and you know, how you view people, broken people, people that have, uh, you know, have problems, people that disagree with you, uh, different than you, raised from you. Uh, uh, he started going through all of these things. He started talking about what he talks about, you know, four things people need. They need to feel value or that they have a place. They need to feel acceptance he was talking about uh, hope for the future and they need justice and he's going through all of these things and as he's going through these things honestly many things I've I've heard I've I've said across you've heard them but I mean no Pastor Campbell has a way of repeating things 
in such a way <laughs> that every time you hear them, it's like you're hearing them for the very first time. I don't know anybody else can do that. I'm like, Pastor, I literally heard this story. How many times have you heard the story about my bike? If you'll be faithful, <laughs> God will call, call you to preach in the name. But every time he says it, I'm like, I know I heard this, but this is hitting like I've never heard it. I'm sitting there as I'm listening to him, and I'm just sitting next to him, and it hit me. Thank God for our pastor. Thank God for Pastor Campbell. You know, one of the challenges with our generation that is all about self, self-empowerment, self-fulfillment, is that today you have so many Christians that they have a preacher, but they don't have a pastor. In other words, they want to hear God's message, but they don't want any accountability from God's messenger. Listen, that is simply not biblical. Why? Because God moves through leaders and leadership. Having said that, what might just be the biggest problem in our world today is the lack of good leadership. We are living in, the wor- in a world where there is a vacuum of quality leadership. In other words, people have the title, people hold the office, uh, but how many know those things in and of themselves uh, are not synonymous with leading? No. This leadership gap is one of the reasons that our world looks like it looks. Because when there is an absence of good leadership, listen, people suffer. There is potential for confusion because leadership brings clarity. And so where there are no leaders and people are left to live aimless lives, where there's no direction, no vision, people, the Bible says, are perishing everywhere. And so how many know, no wonder that the devil is always assaulting leadership because he wants people to be cursed, wandering, and confused. Zechariah 13, 7 says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. We understand this is a prophecy concerning Jesus, but the principle, I believe, applies to all leadership because the devil knows that the leader will speak wisdom, the leader will bring clarity, the leader will cover those underneath him, and the leader will bring the big picture. In our text, verse 9, Moses says, Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Here's Moses as the leader. And think about this. The way he prepares for battle is to get to a high place. In other words, Moses as the leader understands the necessity of having a proper perspective. He is overseeing the battle from a high place. The point being is that Moses clearly has a vantage point that the others do not have. I mean, oh, this is the blessing we've experienced as a fellowship. Because Pastor Mitchell, our board of elders, now Pastor Greg, they have led us well. Can you say amen? And because they have kept their eyes up on the big picture, things that could have derailed our fellowship, things that could have stopped our movement did not stop our movement. Things that could have stopped us from advancing the gospel did not stop us from advancing the gospel because there has been oversight and they were able to see down the road and then make decisions accordingly. One of the things I've learned from our pastor, and no doubt you've heard him say often, He'll say things like, okay, yes, but how is this going to play out? Tori, you've got to think, where is this going to go? 
When you make decisions in life, you're not just making decisions for the moment, but you must consider where this decision is going to take you. It's going to take your family. It's going to take the church, not just today, but a month from now or a year from now or 5, 10, 20 years from now. Where is this going to take us? There's a reason I believe leaders are referred to as overseers because the truth is in life, most people can only see the problem. Most people can only see the issue, but they struggle to see over the issue or beyond it. Many of us, we've had Pastor Campbell as our only pastor. Some have even had him 40 plus years and we're blessed by his oversight. Can you say, look around you tonight. This is the blessing of godly leadership. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're visiting and, uh, you know, you may not realize uh, uh, what is happening. But what you see here is we are literally living in the blessing of great leadership. And listen to me, church, because this is what the devil is assaulting right now. The serpent is after the head of the spear. Not that they're more important, speaking of leaders, but the fallout can be greater again smite the shepherd the sheep will scatter one translation says attack the pastor and the people will run everywhere i have another version that i've learned through this process strike the pastor and the people will post anything you gotta laugh a little in our text tonight moses is fighting a battle on three fronts first there are the outside enemies the amalekites verse one Now, Amalek came and fought Israel. The Amalekites were descendants of Esau. But in the book of Deuteronomy, we learn something very interesting about the Amalekites. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. Now, he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks. All the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary... And he, speaking of Amalek, did not fear God. And so it says here that the Amalekites, think about this, the method of their attack was to come from the rear. It is actually a a picture of uh, someone being blindsided or totally caught off guard. And so here were the children of Israel. They had just experienced the miracle victory of Moses getting water from the rock. And now out of nowhere, that victory turned into an ambush. I mean, would agree that this is what it felt like when you heard the news concerning our pastor. Kind of blindsided you. I know when I got the news, listen, I was like you, I was completely off guard. And it literally felt like an attack. I remember my first thought was the stinking devil. That's literally the stinking devil. Because the truth is, sometimes the enemy attacks leaders from without. You know, something else is true. Sometimes the leader will face attacks from within. Moses, you know, he had to deal with the grumbling and the complaining of the people. Right on prior to this text, they're complaining, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're called to be a leader, whether it's a husband, father, pastor, ministry leader. 
Listen, it would be helpful for you to understand that sometimes the people you're trying to help, the people you care about, the people you're ministering to and praying for, the people you love, when bad things happen, listen, or even when things may just look bad, those very same people might blame you. But again, as I preached a few weeks ago, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so the devil will always try to enlist people against the leader. Listen, that doesn't make those people evil necessarily. But that is simply the price of leadership. The devil will try to assault the shepherd's mind with thoughts. Am I even valuable? Am I making a difference at all? I've talked to pastors. Do I still have a purpose? And all these things. He will attack the leader's mind. So we have the outside attack. We have the inside attack. And the last attack we see here in our text is the attack on Moses' health. You know the story here that when Moses held up his hands, Bible says that the children of Israel would gain an advantage in the battle. They were, uh, they prevailed. But when Moses would let down his hands, then the enemy would prevail. Verse 12 tells us that as Moses is there holding up his hands, his hands became heavy. Another translation says tired. You know, our pastor, because he's been such a great and effective leader, I believe he has to deal with all of these attacks, outside, inside, and obviously now his health. But I also know he's handled these with so much poise, composure, but most importantly, he's handled them with incredible faith. Is he a perfect man? No leader is. You know, sometimes he's thrown down the tablets. Hello, somebody. Do you know leaders can go through silent suffering? And we'll, ever, we'll never even know. Precisely because they're such good leaders. In our text, the men on the battlefield did not understand why they were losing. They also did not understand at other times why they were winning. Because they were not aware of another battle that was taking place up on the hill. Verse 12 says that Moses became so weary. You know the story that Aaron and her had to grab a stone and sit him under it. And the picture there is almost force him to sit down. You know, Pastor Campbell has gone through things. And I'm not saying I know everything. In fact, I'm sure I don't. But I've watched him go through things and have to hold those things very close. You don't realize until you get up closer to a leader how much weight they're carrying I said, man, I tell you, I've seen things and just watching it, it's made me want to run. Because from a distance, let's be honest, it just looks so simple, so light. Sometimes I watch pastor and I hear the calls that he deals with. I see the difficult decisions of the tough calls. I watch pastor sometimes the battles that as a shepherd, he has to willingly insert himself into the battles that most people would rather just avoid. And listen, I'm just watching many times. I'm not, I'm not even doing anything, but it's, 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 like, it's like you get exhausted just watching. No, 
I go home sometimes after being with pastor and what I'm like, man, I need to take a nap. I'm exhausted just watching what he deals with. I'm like, why am I so tired? I haven't done anything. This is why we must always be lifting up our leaders. So the problem is we typically only think of this in crisis because to some degree we do think and sometimes see them as superhuman. No. We don't recognize their need to, for us to lift them up because we feel at time is like, man, they can handle anything. That, that's Pastor Campbell. He's, he's Pastor Campbell. But then how many know a crisis like this renews the importance of leadership in our minds? And it's not like we're ignoring the need many times. It's just we don't see it. I was talking to Pastor Campbell. I believe this would have been Tuesday, yesterday. It's hard to believe it's only been a little over 48 hours. But I'm there. I'm in the car with Stacia. We had just gotten to Little Felix's birthday party. We're sitting outside the park, and he's talking to me. And it's so interesting because he starts talking to me about the kingdom, about things that I'm thinking, advancing the gospel. He's talking about, listen, you need to call Roman Gutierrez. I've already talked to Kevin. How is this person? How is that going on? And in, in the midst of this, I'm listening to him. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, he's in pastor mode. He, he hasn't even had the surgery. He just, his heart just stopped. And I'm thinking, here we are. We're concerned about him, but he's still concerned about us. And at a time where he should be worried about himself, he's worried about us. Listen, and that wasn't some manufactured thing. That's his spirit. In other words, even in a hospital bed, fresh off a heart attack, what he's thinking is, this thing is bigger than me. The kingdom of God still must be advanced. Telling me things like, I think I mean, Tori, there's no accidents with God. All things work together for good. In spite of his setbacks. It's like the Apostle Paul, Philippians 1.12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, listen to this, having become confident by my chains, are much more, more bold to speak the word without fear. You know, Pastor Tozer said, yeah, you need to correct your countenance because God is at work. And it's not just, I believe in this text, uh, that the opportunity it gave Paul to be fruitful. It's the opportunity it gave the disciples to excel in their own fruitfulness. In other words, it was in Paul's absence uh, that those that Paul had been leading needed to step it up. He said, brethren, the brethren had become more confident. You know, you wonder if in Paul's absence, as they were stepping up and pressing in, that there was this renewed confidence for God's grace in their own lives. As they realized, listen, uh, the God who helped Paul is going to help us. The God who sustained him will sustain us. The God who is leading Pastor Campbell is the God who is leading us. Glory to God. You know, a similar question, I think, or at least a sentiment, 
has been expressed from several people. I've heard it personally a little bit third party. And essentially it's, what are we going to do? What about conference? What about this? What about that? What are we gonna do? Well, in my mind, it's very simple. We're gonna do what we always do. We're gonna do what Pastor Campbell taught us to do. Can you say amen? We're gonna witness. We're gonna be in morning prayer. We're gonna have outreach on Saturday. Maybe not this one, because we're cleaning up, but that's okay. We're gonna serve. We're going to do what we've always done. And in the midst of that, we're going to lift up our pastor. Collectively, we are going to lift up his hands, yes, in prayer, which is the context of this scripture, but also practically, what does that mean? It means we have conference in less than three weeks. And if we're truly going to hold up Pastor Campbell's hands, that means we need to represent him admirably at this conference. Or will it perhaps be a different conference? For sure. But we have to believe that God still has something special for us. See, normally we come to conference church, let's be honest, and we're like, come on, Pastor Campbell, fix us. Come on, Pastor, man, Monday night, just heal us and then we can. Because normally he pulls so much of the weight. But see, now we're going to have to band together and help each other carry the load. You and I need to put everything aside. Listen, people are coming from around the world. They're coming to be refreshed. They're coming to be stirred. They're coming so that vision is imparted. They absolutely need us to be on point. They can't see, oh, what are we going to do? What do you mean, what are we going to do? We're going to do what we've been doing. We're going to do what we've always done. We're going to do what Pastor Campbell has taught us to do and discipled us to do. Listen, every ministry leader, old saying here, you know exactly what to do. And so what are we going to do? We're going to do whatever needs to be done. We're going to lift up our leader. We're going to hold up his hands. Right now, pastor's a bit weary. Not of the work, but in the work. And for years, he's been handling our problems. Now he needs us to handle our business. He needs us to execute his spirit, to do what he's led us to do. In my mind, church, we simply can't rely on Pastor Campbell to always have to rally us. We need to rally behind him. We need to prove what he's put in us. We are going to believe that the same God who absolutely supernaturally helped our pastor is the same God who's going to absolutely supernaturally help us. Pastor Campbell, years ago, 2010, he called it the year from hell. And I remember sitting in that conference, he was preaching in that conference in Prescott. I remember Pastor Paul Stevens got up and said, Pastor Campbell, we want to thank you for that sermon. You're, it's going to do immeasurable for all of us. But I really remember the conference of 2011 because Pastor Campbell, and I remember talking to him, he said, oh, the devil thinks we're going to retreat. We're not going to retreat. We're going to launch more couples than we've ever launched before. And I think out of that conference, we launched 18 couples that conference. In other words, Pastor, listen, listen. When the devil kicks, 
we don't curl up in fetal position. Listen, we, kick, we double down on the devil. Well, Listen, Pastor Campbell, you know his spirit has always been to go on the offensive. And so if the devil takes a shot, take two shots. Each of us, each of us needs to make up our mind. Listen, I am going to step it up to another level. My pastor needs me right now. My church needs me right now. Because the best leadership, listen, is actually the best leadership is leadership that carries beyond the leader. When the leader is no longer present, when the leader is indisposed or unavailable. A couple more things that we're going to pray. Pastor Mitchell, and uh, you know, you know the story, the fellowship story with Pastor Warner. But you know, that story has always inspired me, even though I wasn't there. That here's Pastor Warner gets in this accident, and you know all the background. This is not God. This is man. Maybe we shouldn't plant churches, and the assault against the very thing we are today. And Pastor Mitchell, the audacity to stand up and say, "Who's going to take Pastor Warner's place?" And out of that, couples begin to raise their hand. I don't know, some thirty odd couples. That is the spirit of not just Pastor Mitchell. Not just our fellowship, but I, I, I can tell you, and you, many of you know, that is the spirit of our pastor. So right now, in honor of Pastor Campbell's leadership, we do that by carrying on the vision. Now, let me be clear tonight. Listen, because this isn't some. Our pastor is down, but he is not out. He is not out. Can you say amen? Hey, glory to God. Yes, let's give God praise. Just like in our text, there were two battles being fought. Joshua and the people were on the ground. Moses, Aaron, and Hur were up on the hill. Don't you think for one second tonight that Pastor Campbell, even in the hospital bed, is not engaged in this battle? Moses is not at the place of the battle per se, but his influence was absolutely shifting that battle. Bible says it was his hands that were being lifted and turning the battle. Pastor Campbell's influence lives in each and every one of us. And if the battle's going to be won, listen, listen, it's going to be because Pastor Campbell's people, what he's put into us, listen, this is not a time, this is not a time to grab your tissue paper. Are we sad? Of course. But this is a time to grab your sword. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. I remember even when he called, I said, listen, not today, Satan. I close with this final thought. As much as we need to lift up our leaders and our pastor, the truth is tonight, this is God's battle. This is God, it's God's man. It's God's battle. And ultimately, it will be God's victory. Listen to verse 14 of our text. After all of this was complete, Joshua and his men are down fighting there and they win the battle. Moses is up. Moses understood, of course, as the leader. But listen to what God said to Moses in verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this or memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. I want Joshua to hear this that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar, called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, 
The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. In other words, God says, listen, Moses, I know you know who won the battle, but I want to make sure young Joshua doesn't get it confused, that he doesn't get it twisted. Make sure you make a memorial, but do it where he can hear that the Lord has won the battle with the Amalekites. Listen, church, God is in control. It is God's battle and God never loses. God cannot lose. He gets the victory. Can you say amen? We're going to lift up our leader. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads here with me tonight. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.